0: Everyone, welcome to Health Addicts. Remember, this show is just for entertainment purposes only. Meaning, I'm not your doctor. So, if you have questions about anything related to your health, gotta ask your doctor, okay? Otherwise, enjoy the show and enjoy the content. Man, how many carbs are too much carbs? Am I getting enough sleep? Am I even supposed to be taking vitamins? I guess I better listen to the Health Addicts show. All right, everybody, I think we got the audio fix since the last one. I really apologize for the last episode, but welcome to Health Addicts, everybody. It's good to have you back. We have a good show today, and we're going to talk about asthma. And I feel like many people know kind of what asthma is as far as, you know, they've heard family members that had it, but we're going to take a really big in-depth look into it. We're going to go over a lot of stuff today on it. So hopefully give you a pretty good idea physiologically what's happening and how you can even treat somebody who's having an asthma attack. So let's get started. So where is asthma affecting you? It's primarily affecting you in your lungs. Your lungs are having an allergic reaction, so to speak. I say allergic reaction though, because it's a non-helping sequence that your body performs. It's not like your body needs to perform this asthmatic response because physiologically there's nothing that helps you with your lungs closing down on themselves because it's inhibiting you to breathe. Now there's kind of three ways that they go about describing asthma. And the first one is a reversible bronchial airway smooth muscle constriction, meaning that it is reversible through bronchodilators or other steroidal treatment. The next is airway inflammation, meaning the actual airways become inflamed and red not allowing for air movement to pass and the final one is more conducive to asthma meaning increased responsiveness to an assortment of stimuli this one's kind of more the reason what happens to asthma meaning that there's some kind of stimulus that tells the body to react in the way it's doing the parasympathetic response that it is doing because you have your flight or fight response or you have the rest and digest response And the response that's happening during an asthma attack is the rest and digest response. The airways are compressing. You're having constriction. Mucus is building into the airway and all these things are happening that would inhibit your ability to breathe. And this is very serious stuff. There's more than 3 million cases a year of asthma or asthma exacerbation related illness that happens in the U S. So now that you kind of have an understanding of what asthma itself is, we'll go kind of more into the physiological aspect of it. What's happening inside the body when you're having an asthma exacerbation or an attack. And I'll try to keep this pretty basic overall. I don't want to bore you with the physiological to the degree that it gets really deep into. But I think it's good to have at least some kind of microbiology level of it so you understand why you're having this kind of response. So the most basic way I can kind of explain this to you guys is you're having a trigger or an antigen that's coming into the body and the lymphoid tissue, a tissue that's part of the lymphatic system or your immune response, that's pretty much system responsible for immune response, senses this antigen and says, you know what? I don't like it, I think it's gonna try and harm us. So what does it do? It sends an antibody over to your mast cells, which are fighter cells that help take care of these products that we don't need in our body. And then it's going to tell it to look for it from now on. And now these mast cells are hypersensitive to this antigen. So anytime it sees it again, it's going to start releasing all these chemicals that tell the body to relax, such as leukotrienes or histamines. I'm sure you've heard of histamines because people take antihistamines all the time for whenever they're having allergy issues during seasonal allergies and because the body thinks these are dangerous it's now telling your body to have this parasympathetic response that slow and rest and digest phase I was talking about earlier so now the smooth muscle starts contracting the bronchial wall starts getting super inflamed there's excess amount of mucus that's being produced and this can lead even to mucus plugging bronchi- or plugging off those actual bronchioles and that doesn't allow air to move or can even cause full collapse of either lobes or part of your lungs. And this response, people, is why asthma is so dangerous if it's untreated. Because now the body's working 10 times harder to breathe because you're fighting all this airy resistance. And it only exponentially increases as the airways start decreasing the amount of space that allows air for movement. So now you're not getting oxygen-rich air in and carbon dioxide out of your body the main reason we even breathe and you start having a respiratory failure because of this because the blood starts getting super acidotic and with the blood being more acidic oxygen doesn't bind well so now your body is not delivering this oxygen to the all the organs that need it including your heart so all in all it's very dangerous response in your body to have And that's why it can be so scary for people when they can't reverse an asthma attack. And understand this, there's a lot of things that can trigger an asthmatic attack. And sometimes there's even no trigger. They don't even understand why the person is going into an asthmatic attack. So it's good to learn why and control your asthma if you're having asthmatic attacks this way. So you stay away from those triggers. Of course, there's other things, risk factors that can affect asthma. Um, Obesity is one. Um, sex can a male in their younger days and especially before 14 is twice as likely to have asthma than their female counterpart there's other things too like having the flu or pneumonia or bronchitis that week or drugs if you're doing drugs don't get off the drugs people that can also affect it sleep we talked about sleep we talked about how important it gotta get your sleep and GERD which is gastro esophageal reflux disease and if I had a really really hot meal or salty meal or acidic meal and you start getting that back up in your esophagus it's a burning feeling that's good people that's why you gotta watch what you eat but there's really kind of two types of asthma reactions one's an extrinsic reaction or an intrinsic reaction an extrinsic is meaning something from the outside source is coming in and causing you to have an asthma attacks like cigarette smoke dust mold uh, grass and tree pollen uh, pet dander or cockroach dander yeah last one's kind of disgusting but these kind of antigens that come into the body and tell oh gosh this is terrible for us and then it has that reaction those are extrinsic reactions the intrinsic response though is a little bit more tricky because it's unidentifiable what is causing the person to have an asthma attack it's just the body's own immune sp- immune system just deciding that it wants to go into an allergic reaction mode. Luckily, though, it's more an extrinsic factor than it is an intrinsic factor. Don't get me wrong. There's many people have just the extrinsic factor one, but most people have a reason for why they're going to an asthma attack. And I hate to say it. A lot of times it's smoking. People just can't give up smoking. But a lot of people also have allergies and other reactions to other things in their life. Mold in the house or dust and dander. So or even pets that they have and they've had for years all of a sudden they're starting to have reactions to so it's good to understand what's causing this kind of reaction now there's kind of four um, grades of asthma the intermittent it's just a easy asthma more or less you have a cough twice a week it doesn't really affect your daily life you rarely have to use a bronchodilator therapy or a rescue inhaler It doesn't really affect you and your pulmonary function testing. This testing that they do to see how well your lung function is, is relatively normal, 90 to 100%. Mild asthma, on the other hand, though, you have to use your inhaler twice a week. The cough is more frequent. You're actually getting inhibited just a little bit more by your asthma, but it still isn't affecting you overall. But you might see it even on a PFT, but usually a bronchodilator every once in a while fixes it and you're back on track. Now moderate, on the other hand, things are starting to get just a little bit scarier. You're starting to have to use that inhaler more often, probably even once a day. And you're even having to use maintenance inhalers. These inhalers work for long periods of time. They're extended inhalers or long acting beta agonists is another term they use for it. They help keep the lungs open for a long period of time because you're having such severe reactions and these drugs are trying to help counteract why your lungs are having these kind of reactions. Also those pulmonary function tests are definitely going to be severe. You're going to see dips in how well you can breathe in and out. The last one is severe and severe is the worst one to have. It pretty much inhibits your life. You're unable to breathe while you're taking multiple inhalers a day, you're taking definitely maintenance inhalers and your pulmonary function tests, you're probably at less than 60% lung capacity that you normally should have meaning that 60% of your lung isn't breathing out as well because it's being obstructed. And there's kind of two ways to think about it, obstructive or restrictive. So asthma kind of goes into the COPD category, a chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, where other ones, lung disease are restrictive. And restrictive is a way to think of is like a snake on the outside squeezing you in. It's hard to get the breath in and out because the snake is squeezing you versus obstructive is almost like a valve you're pushing against something to breathe out and it's not allowing to that's why when you take a chest x-ray these people that are chronic obstructors their lungs are huge you'll be extended severely because they have no ability to breathe out so how do you tell if you have asthma well the best way to do it is they actually get a pulmonary function test that pft we're talking about and what they'll do is they'll do two tests. And the two tests are really important. And there might be a third test too they can do. Um there's actually a lot more tests they can do, but the two are pretty definitive. And one is a FEV1, and that is a forced exhale volume in the first second that you breathe out. And what happens is they'll give you a bronchodilator afterwards. And if you increase by 12%, that means you have a positive response, which means you have sort of an obstruction already going. The last one is a peak flow and peak flow is what they're checking is how fast you can exhale all your volume and how much air actually comes out. And if you have a greater than 60 liters after the bronchodilator therapy, that means you have a positive response, which means you have some form of obstruction that you're having with your body. Now let's say those two tests weren't definitive enough. What they could do is a methacholine challenge. And the challenge is people who are very affinitive to bronchial obstruction will have an asthmatic attack with this medication. Not a large one, but enough to where it tells, oh my gosh, I'm having some wheezing now. And it can be treated with bronchodilator therapy, but it's a great way to see if somebody has that obstructive component or a reactive airway. So what is the treatment for asthma? And the treatment for asthma is just making sure that you're under well-conditioned medications. There's certain medications you can take daily that help with asthma control, um, leukotriene inhibitors, antihistamines. Um, there's definitely long-acting beta agonists. There's steroidal therapy. Um, there's your quick-acting inhalers, the short-acting beta agonists, or you have anticholinergic or antimuscarinic medications. The list is huge, actually, because there's so much money in asthma right now because so many people are having problems with it. So the best thing you can do, though, is take your rescue inhaler first, because that's going to work the quickest. It usually takes about 15 minutes total for the medication to peak. But most of all, it the most quickly reacting, a lot of these long acting ones that they have, semi ever they take over an hour and maybe even two hours to start working. So don't use those as a rescue inhaler. Those are daily medications. So rescue inhaler first. And if you're not feeling relief, some people take a second dose. And then after that, it's usually probably time to go to the ER or go see a medical care clinic just to start getting checked out because usually you want to make sure that your asthma is well controlled. That even means you can do your peak flows in the morning. A lot of people have peak flow meters. They can breathe out and see if they're at a good percentage of what they should be. And if they're not, that's probably a good idea to take your bronchodilator, but There's a lot of medications out there and the best person that's going to be able to recommend that is going to be the doctor. And then he's going to get you to a pulmonologist or the lung doctor who's going to really diagnose and see what medications work best for you. So something we really haven't talked about yet is what do you see when you see someone having an asthma exacerbation? The first calling sign real quick is wheezing. And it's not always going to be audible. Most of the time it isn't audible. Actual bronchospasm is heard in the smaller, smaller areas, those bronchioles. And you, when you listen to them with a stethoscope, you'll hear wheezing going in and out, or sometimes it'll be so diminished that there isn't even air movement at all, or even worse. You start hearing them audibly, which means moved up into the upper airway. And then you have a really problem. We call that strider. Secondly, you'll start seeing him getting what's called tachypnea, which is breathing really, really fast. It might be shallow, it might be big and deep, but you'll see them really working to breathe. And even though they're moving air and they might look okay, they're actually working really, really hard. The difference between someone lifting a 10-pound weight and lifting a 20-pound weight. Next, you might start seeing them looking really, really red and sweaty, or diaphoretic is what is another term for it. And you might see them start even turning blue, which is a really, really bad sign, and we call that cyanosis. They might be posturing, which is sitting straight up with hands on their knees and trying to use accessory muscles just to breathe as hard as they can. Um, This person, if you see this kind of reaction, you definitely need to get medical attention. It might be 911. If they're close outside the doctor, get them inside. Uh, If they have a bronchodilator, you can ask them if they have their albuterol. It's the most common one that people use. See if they can need help using it. But most of all, definitely get some medical attention for them. All right, guys, you're asthma experts now. You know what to look for. You know what it is. So go out there and share the knowledge, all right? Hope you had as much fun as I did. Thank you all for listening. I hope you folks have a great day, and I'll see you next time on Health Acts, all right? Stay addicted to your health. Have a good day.